Let's turn to uh, Mark 11. Mark 11. Verse 22. We're in our, we're in our, uh, Jesus is teaching us how to operate by faith. He's teaching us how to have the God kind of faith. He's teaching us how God uses faith. And he says in verse 22, have faith in God. We've talked about uh, in the margin of my Bible, it, it also says, have the faith of God. And, and we're talking about what it means to have the faith of God. I also found um, that in the, the grammar, in the Greek text, the grammar also reflects the agent, location, or source of faith. So it, you could also read it, have faith from God. Because faith only comes from God's word. Faith only comes from God's word. It doesn't come from, uh, you know, seeing a miracle or seeing an angel or something like that. Faith comes from God's word. That's the source of faith. And when you feed your recreated born-again spirit with the Word of God, it produces a spiritual strength called faith. And the more you feed your spirit with the Word of God, the bigger and the stronger that spiritual force of faith in you will grow and become stronger. So Jesus gives us a faith lesson here on how to apply our faith. Verse 23, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. According to Jesus, in order to change things in your life, in order to change uh, obstacles, hindrances, Problems, that's what the mountain here represents. Problems, negative circumstances, obstacles, hindrances. In order to change these things, you must speak to the mountain. The need or the obstacle in your life. Faith doesn't speak to God about the mountain. Faith doesn't speak to God about the problem. Faith speaks to the problem. And this is where Christians have not been taught this because most people want to get God to move the mountain. But faith speaks to things and it changes things. You get your, you got overdue bills that, that are stacking up or you got this you know debt or something that's just been you just can't get rid of it. Put pile them up on the floor or put a piece of paper down there that just says bills or whatever. And you say, you speak to those bills. Bills, I call you paid in full 
cancel, dissolve, cease to exist, dematerialize, and gone. According to Mark 11, 23, Jesus said, speak to the mountain. I command you to be removed out of my life. I command you to go throw yourself into the sea in the name of Jesus. Now, according to Mark 11, 24, I, I desire and I call in X amount of money to pay off these bills, and I call in X amount of money to come into my household every 30 days to pay all my bills and to have an overflow to support every good work. Now, I'm telling you what, folks. I have done this numerous times, and it has not failed yet. That is speaking to the mountain. It is, it is operating in the God kind of faith. That's what Jesus said to do. That's what Jesus said to do about removing problems, about removing obstacles, sickness, pain. I resist you in the name of Jesus. You be removed off my body. You be cast into the sea in the name of Jesus. All matter of sickness and disease. You be removed. You be cast into the sea in the name of Jesus. By the stripes of Jesus I was healed, and since I was healed, I am healed. That's the way you have the God kind of faith. How many churches do you know that teaches that? Oh, and, 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 and teach us what Jesus said to do about how to remove obstacles in your life. Just about zero, probably. And that's why there's such a lack of faith in the body of Christ as a whole. And I'm not blaming the people, and I'm not criticizing the people. If you hadn't heard, you hadn't heard. It's not your fault, you know. If you, if you hadn't heard, you don't know. If you hadn't heard the word, you don't have faith in that area. So, uh, for hundreds of years, the word of God has been replaced by man-made traditions and opinions. So, I'm not uh, blaming people. I'm not criticizing people. But I am putting the responsibility for this right here on the pulpit of every church in the world. That's where the responsibility goes, is in the pulpit of most churches in the world. That's where the responsibility lies. Verse 23. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, if we were supposed to ask God to move the mountain, Jesus would have told us to do that. This would have been the perfect place for him to tell us, just ask God to move the mountain. But he didn't. He said, speak to the problem, speak to the negative circumstances, and command them to go. And believe that what you say comes to pass. That's what he said to do. That's how he taught us how to remove hindrances and problems and obstacles and negative circumstances. Speak to them. Command them to leave. Command them to be removed. Go throw themselves into the sea. And believe that what you say comes to pass. Then in Mark eleven twenty four, he goes on and says, Therefore, which means he's continuing. He hadn't changed the subject. He's continuing from verse 23 to 24. Therefore just means consequently, or for this reason, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, 
believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Let's say this out loud. Believe that you receive them. Believe that you receive them. And you shall have them. And you shall have them. Again. Believe that you receive them. Believe that you receive them. And you shall have them. And you shall have them. One more time. Believe that you receive them. Believe that you receive them. And you shall have them. And you shall have them. Now what did Jesus say this would work on? Whatever you desire. Now, the understood context here is whatever you desire that Jesus has already bought and paid for, whatever you desire that God has already given you and provided for you in redemption. That's the context, okay? So if you desire a well body, it will work on that. If you desire to be blessed materially and financially, it will work on that. If you desire wisdom and direction in your life and knowing what to do, it will work on that. All of the above. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. For hundreds of years, the church as a whole has been working on the wrong side of the problem. The, the church as a whole has been working on the God side of the problem. They've been trying to get God to do something about the problem. For hundreds of years, that's the way the church as a whole has, has addressed these problems in life. Trying to get God to do something about the problem. Trying to get God to move. Trying to get God to heal. Trying to get God to bless. And in some Christian circles, people have been taught to beg. And their prayers mainly consist of begging God. Have you ever heard people use the phrase, we're bombarding the gates of heaven? No. You hadn't? Okay. Well, that's quite popular in America. We're bombarding, we're bombarding the gates of heaven. And the gates are not closed. <laughs> the gates are open, you know. But we're bombarding the gates. That means we're trying to get God, you know, to, to do something about this problem. It's like, you know, they're waiting on God to do it. God help us. God heal us. God bless us. And much of the church world is doing this. Is that what Jesus taught here in Mark 11? No. That's not what Jesus taught. Did Jesus say, if you have a mountain or negative circumstance in the way, beg God to move it? Uh, no? Yep. Yeah. He could have said that, but he didn't. If that's what he needed to do, or if that's what we needed to do to move the mountain, Jesus would have told us. But I, I, I want you to write this down. He didn't talk about what God needed to do. Jesus didn't talk about what God needed to do here in Mark 11, 23. He talked about what we need to do. Now, folks, this is a revelation, and if you get this, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be well on the way, and you're going to get it. 
Jesus didn't, when it comes to problems and negative circumstances and things in your life that need to be changed, he didn't talk about what God needed to do. He talked about what we needed to do. He talked about our part of exercising faith, not God's part. Now write this down. What you say and speak, what you say and speak establishes what you believe. What you say and speak establishes what you believe. You see it over and over in the Gospels. <clears throat> in this series, a, a number of times we've talked about these people in Jesus' ministry who received. We've talked about the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. You remember Jairus? Came, ran to Jesus, fell down at his feet, said, Jesus, if you will come lay your hands on my daughter, she will be healed. And boy, I mean, that got Jesus' attention. He said, Okay, let's go. And by the time, and before they could even get far, here came the woman with the issue of blood. She received her healing. Jesus made her testify there in front of everybody. In the meantime, here comes the messenger from Jairus' house and says, don't bother the master anymore. It's too late. Your daughter's already dead. Just drop it. And Jesus said what? Fear not. Stop the fear. Only believe. Only believe. So, they went to Jairus' house. When they got to the house, now remember Jairus has invited Jesus there. Jesus didn't just go barging in and take over. Jairus invited him there and gave Jesus authority to do whatever he needed to do. What did he find when he got there? He found the family and all the relatives crying and weeping and wailing and carrying on. And Jesus walked in and said, what's all this crying and carrying on about? What, what does the Bible say the people did? They laughed him to scorn, didn't they? They laughed him to scorn. But, but when Jairus came up there to Jesus, and, and Jesus, and they said, they brought the bad news, it's too late. Jesus said, don't fear, only believe. In other words, only have faith. Only have faith. You remember the centurion? who said, Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house. Just speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. As you have believed, be it done unto you. As you have believed, be it done unto you. He didn't say, As I have believed, be it done unto you. Jesus could have said that. He said, as you have believed, be it done unto you. What about the Syrophoenician woman, you know, who came on behalf of her daughter? And Jesus called her a dog. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he wasn't being impolite, but he was trying to provoke a faith response in this lady. He, he, he was trying to provoke a faith response, and he was trying to get her out of this begging mode. And... 
Um, and she said, Lord, even the dogs get the crumb that fall from the master's table. And Jesus, that's exactly what Jesus wanted to hear. He said, yeah, lady, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. And he said to her, go your way. Your faith has made your daughter whole. He didn't say, my faith has made her whole. He said, your faith has made her whole. Everybody say, your faith. Jesus could have said, God in his sovereignty has healed you. He didn't say that, not to any of these people. He could have said, my power has healed you. He didn't say that. He could have said, my faith has healed you. He didn't say that. Jesus didn't say, my faith did it. What did Jesus say was the determining factor in these people receiving what other people did not receive? Your faith. Your faith. That's it. Their faith healed them. Everybody say, my faith. My, my, my faith. faith. Amen. Now you might say, well, Barb, are you saying that you can use your faith to initiate your healing. No, I'm not saying that. Jesus said it. Jesus said you can use your faith to initiate your healing. And this has not been taught at all in the organized church. The way most people determine the will of God, if something happens that they desire, then they conclude it must be the will of God, and if it didn't happen, then it must not have been the will of God. That's the way most people determine the will of God. That is not true. It is ignorance and it's confusion. In Ephesians, it says we are not to be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I didn't write it down, but I think it's Ephesians 3. And then once we understand what the will of the Lord is, we take our faith and we receive it and we lay hold of it. Everything you already have, everything you want to have, everything you need to have, how do you get it? Okay. Believe you receive it. And how do you receive it? You believe you receive it. Christians have not been taught to do this. Let's take your salvation, your forgiveness of sin. How did you receive it? No, you believed you received it. Had nothing to do with your feelings. You believed you received it. But when it comes to everything else that pertains to life, people want to change the rules and think that all these other things come some other way. And they mostly, they've been taught to beg and to leave it up to God. But we can't leave up to God what God has left up to us. No sinner is waiting on God to save them. 
You've, you've all probably witnessed to people in here. And when you realize somebody, you witness to somebody and you're telling them what the Lord's done in your life and, you know, how he's set you up on a higher place and, and, and you realize these people are under conviction and they're ready to receive the Lord, you don't tell them to wait on God. Nobody, nobody would ever do that. Nobody witnessing to somebody would ever tell them that. You know, people witnessing out here on Guilford High Street, they don't tell people to wait on God to receive their salvation. But, you know, the same is true with healing and everything else. But when it comes to these other things, you know, when it comes to healing people and blessing people, people want to change the rules and they think it happens some other way. And it's not. And this is what the church has been stumbling over because carnal, natural people walk by sight. They're going to believe it when it's done. They're going to believe it when they see it. They're going to believe it when they feel it. And if they wait till then, it's too late to believe. If you already got it, you don't need to believe. If you can already see it, you don't need to believe. If you if you already feel something's happening, if you've already felt it, if you've already got it in your hand, you don't need to believe anymore. You got it. You know, when, when your circumstances are good, you believe. When your circumstances are not good, you don't believe. And this is why faith is not based on circumstances. Faith is not based on circumstances. There are some people, you know, they come forward for prayer. You know, people come up for prayer. And, and, and many people... If they don't feel something different, by the time they get to their chair, they've already let go. They've already let go of their faith. They've already turned the faith switch off. If they hadn't felt something different in their body by the time they get back to their chair, they just turned the faith switch off and, and stop believing. So if you already have what you desire, you don't need to believe. Bible believing is when you don't see it. Bible believing is when you don't see it. When you can't see it, that's why faith is required. When you can't see what you desire, that's why faith is required. If you can already see it, and you can already feel it, you don't need to believe it. Verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire. This is talking about what things soever you desire that you don't see yet. What things soever you desire that you don't see yet. Things you desire you don't feel yet. Things you desire that you don't have in your hands yet. You believe that you receive it. You believe that you take it. And what did Jesus say would happen? You'll have it. You'll feel it. You'll see it. You'll drive it. You'll live in it. You'll wear it. You have to believe you receive it before you see it or feel it. 
Write this down. When you have God's word, when you have God's word, you don't need to see it to believe it. When you have God's word, you don't need to see it to believe it. Everybody say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And I'm a receiver. And I'm getting really good at receiving. Amen. There are some Christians and some circles that read about these people of faith and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they'll say, well, healings and miracles have passed away. This, that dispensation is gone. Well, in their church, they probably have passed away. <laughs> they probably have passed away. And they say, well, that was just for Bible days. Well, let me ask you this question. Has faith passed away? No then why would you conclude that all these other things that people received in the Bible has passed away? No, faith is here, and faith is here to stay. And it's expanding and increasing. And we're the generation that's increasing in faith. We're expanding here in numbers, and we're expanding beyond Surrey. So people that, that say these manifestations of faith that occurred in Jesus' ministry, you know, they say, well, that was just for then, and that was just for those people, and that's not for today. You know, what makes them think that these people in the Bible were more special than us? I mean, why would they be more special to receive these great manifestations that we couldn't have? What, that the Bible says we have a better covenant with better promises. Those people lived under the old covenant. They were not even born again, for starters. They hadn't even received the greatest miracle of all. So, so for people to, you know, to, to think, well, these people were just so special that they had all these miracles, but not for today. No, we're going to see more. We're going to see more manifestation. We're going to see more of these miracles. Amen? Greg's father went into the hospital with what was a pretty routine thing, you know, in there a couple of days. Uh, we prayed for him one evening, and uh, within four or five hours, about midnight, Greg got a phone call from the surgeon and said, we're taking your father to surgery and he's got a 50-50 chance of living. Now he had just come into the hospital with a very routine thing. Now he's on his way to surgery and he may not even make it through there. What did you say to the doctor, Greg? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, and he did. But it was a fight, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a fight, but but Greg's faith made him whole because his father didn't have any faith. His father is not saved yet, although we're, that's changing. Amen? He's already come. He, both of his parents are already coming around. They're already, God's working on them. But at that particular time, 
They didn't have any faith to believe God. I mean, they thought Greg was crazy. Everybody in his family was telling him he was crazy. You hadn't been up here. You hadn't seen him. You know, you, you don't know what you're talking about. But Greg's faith and the few of us who, you know, he had asked to stand and pray, it was our faith. It was our faith that healed him. He didn't, that man didn't have any. Everybody say, my faith, my faith will make me whole. One more time. My faith will make me whole. Now these same people might say, yeah, but what if it's not God's will? <laughs> now nobody in this room would say that. We know better than that, don't we? Nobody in this room would say that. It is God's will, but it's not going to work for them. It's not going to work for them. Does the Bible say all things are possible to them that go to church? No. All things are possible to them that believe. Have faith. Amen. Now let's go to Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1. Uh, sorry, Hebrews 11. I was looking at I was looking at the verse. It's Hebrews 11, 1. Sorry about that. Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is a substance of things not seen. That's what we're talking about. Things you desire that you can't see yet. That's why it requires faith. That's why it requires believing. Notice the phrase, now faith is. Faith is not in the future. Faith is now. Now faith is. Faith is always in the now. Faith gives substance to the things you desire that are not seen. That's what this verse is telling us. Now let's go on down to verse 11. Through faith. I, I've gone through this chapter and I've underlined every, everywhere it says through faith or by faith. So that would be a good thing for you to do. Through faith or by faith. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Underline the word received. Through faith, also Sarah herself received. Sarah experienced a supernatural conception and a supernatural birth. When she was well, I mean, this lady couldn't even have kids when she was young. She couldn't even have kids when she was young, and now she's in her 90s. So, in the natural, 
Not going to happen. But she experienced a supernatural conception and a supernatural birth. How did she get it? It tells us right here. Through faith, she received. She received it. And how did she receive it? By faith. She believed she received it. She's well beyond the age now of having kids. And not only that, Abraham is not exactly a spring chicken anymore either. He's like a hundred by now. So when God spoke to Abram and said, about a year from now, you and Sarah are going to have a child. What did Sarah do? She laughed. Unbelief always laughs at the word of God. Unbelief always laughs at the word of God. I mentioned Jairus earlier. When, when Jesus came to his house and he came in and he saw all this weeping and wailing carrying on, he said, what's all this crying and carrying on about? She's not dead. She's just asleep. What did the people do? They laughed. The King James Version says, they laughed him to scorn. Dumb. <laughs> you do not laugh at Jesus. You want to talk about dumb. The, uh, the Good News translation says, they started making fun of him. Anybody ever done that to you? You say something in faith and people laugh and they start making fun of you? The message translation says, provoked to sarcasm. They told him he didn't know what he was talking about. Sound familiar? When you start walking by faith, people will say the same thing about you. You don't know what you're talking about. That's what Greg's family said to him when his father was in the hospital. He said, he will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord and he's going to walk out of that hospital. And he did it, what, three months before they said he would. Greg kept saying, he's going to be out of there before Christmas. And it was, what, two days after Christmas, I think. But they said, he's going to be in here till at least February. And he walked out of that hospital under his own steam at Christmas time. But they laughed at him. They made fun of him. Because unbelief always laughs at faith. They'll say, you're just in denial. You're, you're, you need to get real. You're just in denial. Does that sound familiar? Yeah? So Sarah laughed when God told Abram they were going to have a child. And God didn't think it was very funny. I mean, she may have thought it was funny, but God didn't think it was funny. But something happened on the inside of her. Something changed after this. Or otherwise, Sarah's name would not be in this chapter. Something happened to her, or her name would not be in this chapter. After she laughed, she had a change of heart, and she had a change of mind. She repented, and she believed 
that she received strength and to her body. She repented of her laughter and her unbelief, and she believed she received strength into her body. Something literally happened on the inside of her. Something literally happened to her insides. Faith in God's word literally changed her body. Folks, her hormones had to come back to functioning again. Ovulation had to take place. You know, all these things had to happen in a 90-something-year-old woman. God's Word literally began to cause these things to take place in her physical body. And not long after that, she became pregnant. Now, I, I think I read this. I don't, I don't think it was a testimony that I heard. I think I read it, and I think it was maybe, I'm, I'm not sure where it was. I think it might have been Brother Copeland's magazine, but I'm not sure. But I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was one of his believers' conventions. And one of the speakers, uh, you know, at some point had called people forward, people who could not have kids. They had been told by the doctors in the medical world they would never be able to have kids for whatever reason. But... They told him to come forward. If you want to believe you receive, you want to have kids, I don't care what the doctors have told you, come forward. And they came forward and they were prayed for. And then and later on, you know, year or so later, some testimonies started coming in that these people, you know, I went up for prayer during that meeting, blah, blah, blah. And now we have a little girl or we have a little boy or whatever. But get this. One of the ladies had had a hysterectomy. One of the ladies that went forward in that meeting had already had a hysterectomy when she went forward for prayer. Now, folks, don't tell me God's word does not work for them who believe. Now, you want to talk about having some things to overcome and believe in. But, you know, that lady believed. I mean, she went up there and she laid hold. <laughs> she had already had a hysterectomy, but they had a baby. Now, only God. Everybody say, only God. But her faith initiated it. Her faith made a demand on the power of God, and somehow this happened. Now, she believes she received. These signs don't follow the skeptics, the mockers, the doubters, and the scoffers. These signs don't follow these people. They follow the believers. These signs follow the believers. Sarah believed she received. But it was months before they ever saw that child. It was months before they ever saw that child. And this is typical of miracles and how they happen. You believe you receive the incorruptible word. You believe you receive the promise. You believe you, re you see it in God's word. You receive it. It already belongs to you. Jesus has already bought and paid for you to have it. And you may not see anything yet, but you believe that you received it. And that word may grow in you for months. Maybe longer than that. But one day, you're going to see it. 
and it is going to be manifested where everybody else can see it. You remember Jerry Savelle's prophecy? We haven't done that yet today, but in this prophecy for this year, I've been declaring this every day, and I hope you're doing the same thing. He says here uh, in the last paragraph, um, is that the one I'm looking at? Um, it will be done. Uh, I will cause these to break loose and to suddenly manifest and to do so in such a way that nobody will be able to deny the greatness of our God. Nobody will be able to deny the greatness of our God and he said he would, these would suddenly manifest. Everybody say, I'm a believer. I am a believer. Amen. Let's turn over to Luke 18. Luke 18. Verse. Uh, well, we're, we're down around 35 there. Uh, I don't think this account, it doesn't say this is Bartimaeus. It could be Bartimaeus or it could be another, another blind man. It, it could be Bartimaeus, but it doesn't say in Luke. But he was sitting by the roadside and he heard all this commotion passing by and he asked people around him, what's going on? And they said, Jesus is passing by. And what did he do? Jesus, help son of David, have mercy on me. And all the religious people said, shut up, old man. Don't bother him. You know, he's not interested in you. And he just got louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus heard the voice of faith. He heard the cry of faith. And it got Jesus' attention, and he stopped. And in verse 40, it says, And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? What will, Jesus asked him, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? Was that question necessary? Why did Jesus ask him that? If it, if it wasn't necessary, why did Jesus ask him, what do you want me to do for you? Now surely Jesus could add one plus one and figure out this man wants to be healed of blindness. He could have assumed that. What if the blind man would have said, I got this sore arm. I mean, I, I fell and hurt my arm the other day, and my shoulder is just frozen. Could you pray for my arm? That's what Jesus would have done. He would have prayed for his arm, and he would have walked right off. The man's still blind. See, Jesus, yes, that question was necessary because Jesus had to have this man's faith involved. 
Jesus needed to have this man's faith involved. He needed to hear this man's faith. That's why he said, what do you want me to do for you? He, he, he didn't just assume he wanted to be healed. He didn't say, don't worry, my faith will heal you. I know what's wrong. I know what you want. My faith will heal you. No. He had to, he had to have that man's faith involved. And we have been taught wrong that it's all up to God and it's not up to us. And people don't believe this when it comes to being born again, but they believe that way about other things. Is it God's will for everybody to be born again? Yeah. Well, they're not waiting on God to save them. They're not waiting on God to save them. Whenever they are ready, they can initiate their salvation. They can initiate their receiving forgiveness. They can initiate the, the new birth in their life and receive salvation. So we don't just get born again by faith. We live by faith and we walk by faith in every area. This man's healing in Luke 18, his healing is not just dependent on Jesus. Can you see that? It's not just dependent on Jesus. It's not just dependent on the will of God. Jesus wants to hear this man say what he wants. He wants to hear this man say what he's believing for. Verse 21, verse 41. What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, well, if it be God's will. Oh. <laughs> no. So I guess that that's, it takes more than that, doesn't it? It takes more than just saying if it be God's will to heal somebody. If that's all it took, Jesus would have said that. No, he didn't say if it be God's will, but that's what most churches tell people. If it be God's will or or. You know, some people say, maybe it's not God's will for you to have that. I'll tell you where that comes from. In, in most cases, it probably is genuinely a lack of knowledge of the word. When people say these things, maybe it's not God's will. Maybe it's not God's will for you to have that. It's obvious they don't know the will of God. They don't know what the word says about your situation. So in most cases, it's, it's usually a lack of knowledge of God's word. But sometimes people say that just as a, to disguise their own lack of faith. They don't have faith for what you're believing for. And that's why they say, maybe it's not God's will for you to have it. And when they say that, they just let the cat out of the bag. You know, you know now that they don't have faith in that area. Is this what... He said, no. He said that I may receive my sight. What did Jesus say? Okay, receive it. You want to receive your sight? Okay, receive it. Receive it. And he did. And verse 43 says, and immediately he received his sight. Is it really this simple to get manifestations today? What about, uh, you know, the man on the stretcher? I think he was paralyzed, and uh, 
his friends, you know, four friends, had him on the stretcher, and they took him to the house where Jesus was, and it was so crowded they couldn't get in, and they tore the roof yeah. off and let him down. Uh, you remember what Jesus said to him? Now, now this sounds strange, but you're going to get it. You're going to get the connection here. This man is paralyzed. They lay, let him down through the roof. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Now people say, what does that have to do with healing? He said, your sins are forgiven. What did the religious people say? You can't do that. You can't do that. Only God can forgive sins. Who do you think you are? Only God can forgive sins. And what did Jesus say? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your bed and walk? Which is easier? Jesus is saying they're both work the same way. The same way you receive forgiveness of sins is the same way you receive your healing. They're no different. That's the lesson he's teaching these religious people there. That's why he said your sins are forgiven. It's just as easy to, to have your to receive forgiveness of sins as it is to be healed. And it happens the same way. That's what Jesus was saying. There's no difference. There's no difference. Uh, in Luke uh, 5.24, I think that's the same passage, Jesus went on to say, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins, I say, rise up, take your bed, and walk. Luke, what was that? That was Luke 5:24. I think that whole story is in Luke 5. Uh, but Jesus said, so that, but that you may know that the Son of Man, not the Son of God, the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Rise up, take your bed, and walk. Now Jesus was the Son of God. He is the Son of God. But in his earthly walk and ministry, Jesus referred to himself over and over as the Son of Man. At least 19 times in the book of Matthew alone, Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man, not the Son of God. And he said, uh, he said to that man on the stretcher, get up and go. And he did. Immediately he did. Now, some people say, yeah, but Jesus did these things because he was the Son of God. Well, then why didn't Jesus say, when they let that man down through the roof, why didn't he say to them, you know, it's not God's will to heal everybody, but because, just because of you, I'm going to prove to you today that I'm the Son of God. Did he say that? No. No. He never did. But that's what most Christians have been taught. Millions of Christians would say, yeah, but that was Jesus. He could do this. He could do that. He did, you know, these things to prove he was the Son of God or to prove this, that, and the other. Then Jesus could have said to the blind man, healing's not for everybody, but, but, but just for you, because I'm the Son of God, I'm going to heal you. That's not what he said. He didn't say that. Remember the religious people came to Jesus and they said, show us a sign. I mean, now Jesus has already shown them like 50 signs. You know what I mean? He's opened blind eyes. He's raised the dead. 
you know, he's cast out demons. He's, you know, sign after sign after sign. And they're saying, show us a sign. Now this is, if you want to talk about unbelief, this is unbelief. And Jesus said, it is a wicked and adulterous generation that asks for a sign, and no sign is going to be given you. And there were times when these same religious people came to Jesus and said, okay, do the same thing in this town that you did over in those other towns. And uh, Jesus could have said, okay, bring me some sick people here and I'll prove to you I'm the son of God. He never did that. He never did that. He never made any attempt to prove that he was the son of God. He never made any uh, innuendo that he was doing these things because he was the son of God. Uh, in, you remember in Nazareth, his own hometown, it says there he could do no mighty works. Well, if he was doing all these miracles and signs and wonders like most Christians believe and have been taught because he was the son of God then he would have done the very same miracles in Nazareth that he did in all the other towns but he, it doesn't say he wouldn't it says he, he could not he could not because of their lack of faith so it wasn't just all up to Jesus it wasn't just all up to God. The, the, I mean, I'm telling you what, folks, unbelief can shut somebody down. It can shut God down. It can shut the preacher down. And I mean, you can get to the point where you can say, we might as well close our Bibles and go home. When you recognize people are not receiving what you're saying and your words are just bouncing off the back wall back there, and I've been there before. And I, I remember I was in one place. I had been asked to go there and do a prosperity seminar on a Saturday and a Sunday. And on the Sunday, Sunday morning, and I put it all together. Now, at the time, I didn't pick up on it, you know. But this preacher, he went on and on and on and on, delaying, you know, me coming up there. I mean, they had on and on and on praise and worship. They, then they had a testimony time. Everybody in the whole church gave a testimony. Then they had communion. Then we went all the way through communion, and it's like 20 to 1, and I haven't even been asked to come up there yet. And the pastor turned around to me. I guess he finally ran out of things to do, and, and he finally said to me, could you be finished in 20 minutes? Now, something happened, I think, between Saturday and Sunday, because Saturday wasn't that way. Saturday, you know, people pretty well received. I mean, this was a denominational church, and they weren't used to this kind of thing, but there was a pretty good crowd there, mostly women, but some men came in later, probably off work or whatever, maybe just came out of curiosity. But when he said, when he said, could you be finished in 20 minutes, what I should have said was, I can be finished now. We're going home. Bye. That's what I should have said. Now, I, at the time, I didn't. I got up there, and I tried to cram in as much as I could. But I should have said, hey, we can be finished right now. We'll all go home right now. But I didn't. But I'm telling you what, folks. People's unbelief 
can shut down the preacher. It can shut down God. And I mean, that, that's it. People don't, you know, oh, this all up to God. That, that's not the way it is. People's faith, you know, is necessary. And if Jesus healed and did all these signs and wonders because he was a son of God, then he could have healed people when he was five years old. He could have he cast out demons when he was 10 years old. He could have raised the dead when he was 15. If it was just because he was a son of God, he could have done all these things as a child. He didn't. He couldn't. So that theory is just out, out the water. And, and, and it, you know, if, if it was just because Jesus was the son of God, he would have done the same miracles in Nazareth he did in all these other towns. And you know, of all the places, Jesus would have wanted people in his hometown to get it. I mean, all the places he wanted people to get it, it would have been his hometown. He knew those people. He grew up with them. There's Mr. Jones over there owns a hardware store. He's been suffering for arthritis for 20 years. He needs to be healed. You know, there's Miss Smith over there, my fourth grade teacher. She's had asthma for 20 years. She needs to be healed. You know he wanted these people to get it. He knew them, probably mostly by first name. But I mean, they shut him, they shut him down. So the faith was not there. And he could do no mighty works because of their lack of faith. It limited even what Jesus could do. And this is what religion will never teach. This blind man said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said, okay, receive it. And he did. He received his sight and could see. Now, is there any reason why we shouldn't be seeing more of this in our generation? No. There's no reason. We, we've already had a word from the Lord this year through Jerry Savelle, the year of the great breaking loose. How did this man receive his sight? He didn't receive it with his mind. He didn't receive it with his feelings. He didn't receive it with his emotions. Faith and believing are not psychological. They're not mental forces. It's, it's not positive thinking, although faith will have a positive effect on your mind. But faith and believing are from the heart, from the spirit man. It's a spiritual strength that's produced by hearing and speaking the word of God and feeding your spirit on God's word. This man received his sight with his faith and he believed that he received it. If you feel you received it, you wouldn't need to believe you received it. You've got nothing outwardly to tell you that you've received it, but you believe you receive it anyway. That's faith. You believe you receive it anyway. First, you have to know from the Word of God that it's God's will, and He's already given it to you. And we assume that everybody in church has faith. And in some areas, if they're born again, they have faith in that area. I mean, we know if they're born again, they've exercised their faith at least one time. But we assume that everybody in church has faith for everything, and that's not true. 
And as long as people are questioning whether it's God's will and wondering and wavering about this, that, and the other, their faith is not there yet. But it can get there. But in order to get there, they're going to have to change what they've been listening to and who they've been listening to. Because faith only comes by the Word of God. Whatever Aunt Mary said, whatever Uncle Jim said, whatever their preacher, the preacher at your grandmother's church said, if it's contrary to the Word of God, you've got to let go of it. You've got to let go of it. When God has already told us his word and what he's already given us, we can choose to believe it. It's a choice, not a feeling. Faith and believing is a choice. It's not a feeling. Everybody say choice. 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 Everybody can choose to believe or they can choose not to believe. And that's what happened to these people, you know, that scoffed and mocked at Jesus. Forget what anybody else says. What did Jesus say? That's all you need to know. Forget what anybody else said. What did Jesus say? When you pray, leave it up to God to do the right thing. Is that what Jesus said? No. When you pray, believe that you receive it. Believe that you take it and you shall have it. Now we're going to receive communion right now. And while we receive the physical elements, this would be a great time to receive whatever and everything you need represented by these elements. Whatever God has already bought and paid for us to have, healing, uh, finances met, wisdom, direction, whatever, uh, whatever that you need today, this is the perfect time to receive these things. We're going to believe we receive as we receive the physical elements. This represents what Jesus has already done for us, what he's already bought and paid for us to have. Now, I want to say a few words before we do that. Let's turn to Matthew 8. Matthew 8. In verse um, 16, at the end of the verse 16 there, it says they brought many to him who were possessed of devils and so forth. He cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Not some, all. All that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, Notice the word took in this verse. Himself took our infirmities. This word took in Matthew 8, 17 
is the very same Greek word receive in Mark 11, 24. It's the very same word. Took in Matthew 8, 17, it's translated took, but the very same word in Mark 11, 24 is translated receive. How did Jesus take your sins and your infirmities and weaknesses? He didn't do it with his feelings. He didn't do it with his mind. He didn't do it with his hands. Jesus took your sin by faith, by faith the same way you took your cleansing and your forgiveness by faith. Now folks, this is really something religion has never taught. Jesus took your sin by faith and you took his cleansing. You took his forgiveness by faith. Everybody say, by faith. Jesus took and received your sin and every unspeakable sin that had ever been committed in the past will ever be committed in the future. He took it and he received it by faith into his own spirit. He believed he received your sin. He believed he received all sin. Yeah. By cross. faith. On the cross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. He took it. Now when he received your sin and my sin, it did the same thing to him it did to us. It separated us from God. Sin cut us off from God. That's why we had to have a Savior. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, it cut him off from God. And all future generations were cut off from God. That's why we had to have a Savior. We were cut off from God. We were in darkness. We were in the kingdom of darkness. So we, we had to have a Savior. Somebody who had never committed sin had to take ours. And that man was Jesus. Now, on the cross, that's why Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he received our sin in his spirit, it cut him off from God and separated him from God for the first time in all of eternity. He, the Father and Jesus had never been separated. Jesus had never sinned. He, he had never committed sin, and he had never experienced the consequences of sin. And um, you can begin to get a tiny, tiny, tiny little glimpse of the agony that Jesus went through in the Garden of Gethsemane and why he, he was sweating this drops of blood and so forth because he had never been cut off from the Father before, and he knew... It's coming. I mean, it's about to happen. And he had never committed sin. He had never experienced the consequences of sin. And he knew this is about to happen. And you can see that struggle and that agony. It wasn't the phys as horrible as the physical part was. I believe this was the big part. This was the big part. The spiritual side of this, being cut off from God, and, and nobody hates sin like God. And Jesus is going to take all this junk 
in him by faith and he's going to take the punishment and the penalty for our sin and all of mankind at one time on one day I mean you can begin to get a little glimpse so he was going to, to receive the full brunt of sin of all mankind into him and on the cross after you know after the uh, you know the the he gave up the ghost he went into hell and for us so we wouldn't have to go there he paid the price for our sin and and the punishment for our sin and after three days and nights when when the the penalty and the punishment for our sin had been satisfied God said that's enough let him go and if you read in Hebrews 1 it, we're not going to turn there but it tells us the words that God spoke that raised Jesus from the dead now let's turn to 1st Peter 2 24 <clears throat> We're, we're, we're in the process of receiving communion. That's what we're going to receive. We're believing we receive. 1 Peter 2.24 is along the same uh, uh, theme. Who his own self bear our sins. Bear means to take, take up. He his own self took up our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins might live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed everybody say he took my sins he took my sicknesses amen and he did it with his spirit he did it with his believing he had to believe that he received sin into him because he never committed it. He had to believe he was receiving all the sin of all mankind, all the sickness and disease. He took and he received by faith your sins, your sickness and pain, and all the sickness and pain that would ever exist in his own body so that you and I would not have to have it. That's why he did it. He didn't do it for himself. He did it for us. And even before he went to the cross, that's, that's what 1 Peter uh, 2.24 here is talking about. By whose stripes you were healed. When Jesus was tied to that whipping post and he was physically whipped, people could see what it was doing to his the outside of his body but they couldn't see what was happening on the inside what was happening on the inside by faith he believed he received the source and the cause of every sickness every cancer every growth every disorder that would ever exist that would ever happen to mankind by faith he took it into himself he received it and while he hung on the cross he received the just the judgment and the punishment and the sin of everyone who had ever lived 
and who ever would live. Everybody say, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. is my champion. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Nobody else would have done this. Nobody else, nobody else. Nobody else could do it. Amen. He did it for us. And the Bible says that he was so physically marred, he didn't even look like a man. Uh, and, and this is what, this wasn't just the physical beating and all that he took. This was the effects of sin and all on, on him, in his spirit. Th th that's why he didn't even look like a man. It so disfigured him. Hallelujah. So by faith, he received our sin so that by faith, we could receive his righteousness. By faith, he received our sicknesses and pain so that by faith, we could receive his healing. He received by faith all, all of the curse, all of that lack, insufficiency, everything recorded over there in Deuteronomy 28, 15 to 63, all the curse, all the uh, judgment, all the consequences of Adam's sin and our sin. He took it so we could be made rich and be blessed in abundance. So Jesus has taken it all for us. He's been raised triumphantly over it and he has put it away. He has put your sin away. He has put your sickness and disease away. He's put your lack and insufficiency. And, and he's your, um, you know, Isaiah says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. You, you, we can have peace. We can have the peace of God because Jesus took uh, the chastisement of our peace upon himself. He, uh, you know, he took all of this. He bore it away. He bore it in his own body. So what's left for us to do is to believe that we receive his cleansing, his righteousness, his healing, his wisdom, his direction, his holiness. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that's what we're going to receive right now. Whatever you need to receive today, we're going to receive it. Um, Carol, would you enlarge your mind to pass out the elements here? Yeah. Yeah, just pass it around and everybody just hold it, you know, till we're all ready. Yeah, you want to pass it? Yeah, uh huh. And just. I'm trusting everybody here's born again and to receive knows the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Thank you.
Father, in the name of Jesus, we examine our own hearts. We judge ourselves according to the authority of your word. In areas where we have missed the mark, strife, unforgiveness, jealousy, envy, hatred, covetousness, fear, worry, unbelief, we take Jesus as our advocate and high priest. We ask forgiveness according to the word of God in 1 John 1, 9. Your word says, when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Therefore we do not eat of the bread nor drink of the cup unworthily, but we rightly discern the Lord's body. We receive communion together now as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are free from the works of Satan, spirit, soul, and body. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he comes. Now we're believing we receive whatever it is that Jesus has already bought and paid for us to have. We're believing we receive it right now. Amen. Father, we give you thanks for all you have provided for us in Christ Jesus. We confess this day we are the blessed of the Lord. This covenant we entered into at the new birth is a covenant filled with the exceeding great and precious promises of God. And we are partakers of those promises now. Everybody say now. Now, now Lord. We are healed. We are redeemed. We are delivered from the authority of darkness. We are translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. We are the head and not the tail. We are above only and not beneath. We come behind in no good thing. All that we set our hands to prospers. And we praise you, Father, for the newness of life we now enjoy. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you have your, uh, we're, we're, we're winding down. Do you have your prophecy from Jerry Savelle? Okay, the ones of you that have it. Um, <coughs> I might have to look on with, I'll look on with you guys. Okay. This is what we're uh, decreeing over this year. 
is a ministry and for us individually. I do this every morning as part of my time with the Lord. So I encourage you to continue to do the same thing. Let's all read this out loud together. Extraordinary things are taking place in the heavens, and 2016 will come to be known as the year of the great breaking loose. More and more notable miracles will break loose in the earth. More and more signs and wonders. More and more angelic visitations. More and more instant healings. More and more deliverances from demonic activity. More and more finances will break loose so my people can do more for the kingdom, saith the Lord. And during this time of the great breaking loose, the enemy will no longer be able to hold back that which my faithful ones have stood in faith for, not even the things that look as though they would never come to pass. For I will cause them to break loose and to suddenly manifest and to do so in such a way that no one will be able to deny the greatness of your God. Yes, 2016 will be a year in which the faithful shall be rewarded beyond their highest expectations, and they shall abound in my blessings as never before. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh,